Hey, it's Dr. John Terry, the Black Belt Leader, and welcome to the Black Belt Leadership Podcast, where each week I'm sharing insights, tips, tools, and resources to help you become better at who you are and what you do as you discover, develop, and deploy your own Black Belt Leader within. You know, there's an ancient Chinese proverb that says it's better to light a single candle than to curse the darkness. I want to take a few minutes to talk about overcoming fear. And I want to start with a couple of questions. What are you afraid of? What keeps you awake at night? What is the haunting image that's holding you back from reaching your goals and your dreams? What is it that you fear? And more importantly, why? Now, by definition, fear, according to the dictionary, is an unpleasant emotion. Now, it is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous. It's likely to cause pain or it's a threat to your safety. Fear is also defined as a feeling of anxiety, nervousness, tension concerning the outcome of something or the safety and the well-being of someone, yourself or someone else. Now, you and I all know that fear is a strong emotion. And if we've ever experienced fear, and we likely all have at some point, fear moves us to either freeze and do nothing or to take action. Now, fear is often triggered by the awareness or the anticipation of danger. According to real life management, fear is one of the three dominant negative emotions that we may experience in life, especially when we're under stress or distress. The other two dominant emotions beyond fear are anger and guilt. But here's what we know about fear as we've done studies in human behavior and human psychology. Fear is built into our DNA. Inside our brain is a small area called the amygdala. It sits near the center of our brain. This amygdala is the center of the fight or flight response. It's hardwired for fear. Anytime your brain senses danger, whether that danger is real or it's simply perceived danger because it's something new and different we don't understand, the amygdala triggers a chemical response that dumps adrenaline and cortisol into the bloodstream. What is it doing? It's preparing your body to either fight or to flee. Now, what happens when adrenaline and cortisol are dumped into the bloodstream? Your muscles tense, your blood vessels expand, your heart rate accelerates, your vision narrows, your hearing becomes more acute, your senses are heightened, and at times, time even seems to slow down. Now, this overall response, this primal response to fear is the amygdala priming the body for action. Now, this was essential in our ancient past. If we think back to the nomadic days of early humanity, people living in inhospitable places, landscapes that exposed our ancestors to the very real dangers of life at that time. Now, those dangers could have included a warring tribe, a wild animal, pestilence, dangerous weather conditions, famine, drought, storms. There was a lot of inhospitability in our early nomadic years of humanity on earth. 
But what we learned as we evolved into a more civilized society is that many of the things that primitive humans were afraid of were simply due to a lack of understanding or simple ignorance. You know, lightning and thunder were once believed to be the wrath of the gods. Today, we know scientifically where lightning and thunder come from. So what man couldn't explain, they fabricated a story in an attempt to justify the fear they were experiencing, and they passed those stories on to future generations who in turn perpetuated the lie. These lies became beliefs, and those beliefs became truths to us as humanity, even though the truth itself was a lie. Now, this emotion of fear responded to our ignorance, and ancient humans simply accepted this emotional response to fear and being afraid as something that was true, even though over time we've learned that many of the things that we were afraid of, we shouldn't be afraid of. Understand as we look at fear, our initial response to fear, the way it's hardwired in our DNA is reactive. There's no attempt to gain understanding. There's no attempt to evaluate if our emotional response is even valid and justified based upon what we're experiencing in the moment. We simply react to something that we don't understand or we're afraid of. And as a result of that, what have we done? We've taught our children to be afraid and they taught their children to be afraid rather than simply asking the question, is this even something I need to be afraid of? Now, one of the concepts that is taught in the martial arts is situational awareness. It's referred to as zanshin in Japanese. It's defined as a heightened sense of awareness, being prepared for danger, and being ready to take appropriate action. Zanshin literally means remaining mind. It's about being conscious and remaining in the moment, being aware of what's happening around us consciously aware of what's happening around us and evaluating our response in advance. Zanshin is about intentionally being aware of what's going on around us and choosing in advance how we're going to respond. So rather than reacting, we're responding. We're being proactive. You see, when we're aware of what's going on around us, we can proactively determine if there truly is a threat to our welfare or our well-being, or if this threat is nothing more than a perceived threat, and we can evaluate in advance our available options to respond. Zanshin is a proactive response to fear. Now, think about it this way as we look and study and evaluate human behavior. If you're reactive, you have a higher propensity to respond to your baser instincts. Now, what do I mean by that? Your baser instincts is that old primal fight, flight, or freeze instinct that's hardwired into who we are. There's no evaluation as to whether or not the threat you're responding to is even valid or whether the response is appropriate or even effective in the moment. It's one of the reasons rape, assault, and other violent crime victims often report the inability to fight back or run away because the fear they were experiencing in that moment, it was so terrifying, so 
overwhelming to them, they simply lost the ability to control their body and they found themselves incapable of either fighting back or running away. Zan Shin is about awareness because when you're aware, you're in control. When you're not aware, you're not in control. And when you're not in control, your amygdala, that primal reptilian part of your brain is going to dictate how you will or won't respond to a threat. There is no conscious thought. There is no perception of whether or not the actual threat you're experiencing in the moment is real or simply perceived. So by becoming aware, you and I, we can reshape our lives on our own terms. When we become aware, you and I get to dictate our outcomes. We get to choose the response to the threat that we're perceiving and how we're going to respond to the world around us. What are we doing? We're taking control of fear rather than allowing fear to take control of us. So this is really how you overcome fear. The concept of Zan Shin is a principle that's also found in Greek philosophy. Socrates said it plainly and clearly with two short words, know thyself. Learning to become situationally aware starts with asking the question, is this really something I need to be afraid of? This allows us to evaluate the threats that we're experiencing to determine whether or not they are real or it's only an imagined threat. And then it allows us to focus our attention on real threats and to ignore perceived threats that may not really be an issue to us. And we can focus our attention and response where it truly needs to be. Now, the ancient Greeks understood that when we become conscious, when we become cleanly aware of the world around us, we question, we analyze, we observe, and we learn. These ancient Greeks also realized that fear, rightly used, can lead to even greater awareness. Let me share a personal example that I think you may be able to relate to as well. Do you remember learning to ride a bicycle? Man, I do. I started on a tricycle before graduating to a bicycle with training wheels. Now, migrating to the bike, I remember it was initially scary because it was unknown, it was uncomfortable, it was unfamiliar. I was higher off the ground than I was before, and I was on, on a platform that was as stable as the trike. My brain interpreted this as dangerous, something to be afraid of. And initially, I was. Now, maybe you remember riding a bike for the first few times, and you can recall that same fear as I did. I would get on my bike, and I would tell myself, it's going to be okay. And I would start pedaling very slowly. The minute the bike started to wobble, I would jump off. And then I would get back on, and I would go a little farther, and I would repeat this process over and over. And here's what happened. Over time, I became aware. Zan Shin took place in my life, and I became consciously aware of how to balance on the bike. And as my confidence grew, so did my speed. I was practicing Zan Shin, learning to overcome the fear that was holding me back. Well, one day my dad decided he wanted to up-level my experience on my bike, and he removed the right training wheel. So guess what? 
if I leaned too far to the right, when I got on that bike, I'd fall over. Well, guess what happened? The fear returned again. My amygdala kicked in and this fight or flight response once again took hold of me. Again, I had to ask myself, is this something I really need to be afraid of or not? Or am I simply going to allow fear to control me? Now, I got to admit, at first, I got really good at making left-hand turns so I could lean into that other training wheel that was there. But I got better. Matter of fact, I got really good at going straight ahead as well. And I even started to make some slow, deliberate turns to the right. And then came the day when my dad showed up and removed the left training wheel. Once again, the fear returned. That fight or flight response kicked in and I became afraid. I didn't want to get on that bike. But my dad encouraged me. He said, son, you can do this. And he reminded me of all the times I'd ridden down the street on four wheels and then on three. And each time I had ridden that bike, I had gained confidence in myself and my ability. My dad reminded me as he was helping me get on that bike with no training wheels, I was learning to control my fear as I was learning to ride a bike with no training wheels. So my dad held the seat and he walked along beside me and jogged along beside me as I got my balance on the bike. And then he started to run alongside me, holding onto the seat, encouraging me to keep pedaling. So I did as I always done. I kept pedaling the bike. My plan was to go to the end of the block and turn around and give my dad a high five for hanging in there with me. But about halfway down the block, I glanced back and realized I had picked up enough speed. I'd left my dad standing on the side of the road. I was riding my bike. And in that moment, Zan Shin kicked in. I became aware of my ability and the fear left. I went to the end of the block. I turned the corner and I kept going. I didn't come back until I had made a loop around the entire neighborhood. Now, I have to admit that was exciting for me, and it was my first ability that I can recall really overcoming and conquering fear in my life. And since then, I've used that very same principle over and over again. Practicing this concept of Zan Shin, becoming situationally aware, has allowed me to evaluate in my life which threats are real and which threats are only a figment of my imagination. And as a result, I've learned to control fear. And I've learned to choose the response I'm going to have rather than allowing fear to control my life and limit my future. And here's the good news. What I've learned, you too can learn to do. And when it comes to overcoming fear, you can do the very same thing. You can learn to overcome your fear. Now, it does require one thing. It requires that you go within and question the emotions you're experiencing right now in that moment. And more importantly, ask yourself why. This is how you overcome their fears. It's how I overcame the fear of the dark. It's how I overcame the fear of riding a bike, of driving a car, of climbing a ladder, climbing a mountain, or any of the other fears I've experienced at different times in my life. It's learning to practice San Chen. It's learning to become consciously aware of what's going on in the world around us, evaluating the risks that we're facing, and determining 
how we choose to respond to those risks. What are we doing? We're learning to reprogram our emotional response to fear. Remember this, a reactive response to fear is only reinforcing the fear of the unfamiliar, the uncomfortable, or the unknown. What's it doing? It's holding you back from achieving your full potential in life. Because here's what I can tell you about success. Success in life is always on the other side of uncomfortable, unfamiliar, or the unknown. Ask Henry Ford. Ask Thomas Edison. Ask Madame Curie. Ask Mahatma Gandhi. Ask Nelson Mandela. Ask Martin Luther King or anyone who has had to face the fear of the unknown, the unfamiliar, or the uncomfortable. Each and every one of those individuals that they could speak today would tell you they chose not to live life in defeat. They chose not to allow fear to hold them back from saying, doing, and becoming more. And they made a conscious choice to take that uncomfortable step anyway. I shared an old Chinese proverb at the beginning of today's podcast, and I want to repeat it again. It's better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. Choosing to live in fear or choosing to remain in fear is simply cursing the darkness and remaining where you are. Let me say that again. Choosing to live in fear or to remain in fear is simply cursing the darkness, but remaining where you are. This allows fear to control your life, to paralyze you, and to limit your success. Now, black belt leaders in life choose to light a candle. They choose to illuminate their path and find a way forward. And here's what I can tell you. The smallest flicker of light dispels the greatest powers of darkness. When you light a candle and illuminate your path, what are you doing? You're choosing to challenge your fear. You're choosing to question whether or not this is even something to be afraid of and make the conscious decision and take the conscious action to move forward anyway. Overcoming fear comes down to a choice. Remain bound by fear and curse the darkness or light a candle and find the way forward. Those are your two choices. Remain bound by fear and curse the darkness or light a candle and find a way forward. Both of those are choices and you get to choose one and live with the consequences. So choose wisely and overcome your fear. I'm Dr. John Terry, the Black Belt Leader. Thanks for joining me for this Black Belt Leadership Podcast and have a great day.